and welcome back. Fresh out the oven, episode 16. Yeah, coming to you from snowy, freezing Newcastle today. Yep. What should we do in this snowy, freezing... Gin's a summer drink. <laughs> Said no one ever. Exactly. Let's have a lovely old Tom by the fire. Yes, and speaking of old Toms, we have got a battle of the old Toms coming up on the show today. Catfight. Tom Catfight. Tom Catfight. We've got three old Toms and we're going to test them out and we're going to see who's the winner. We've also got the second part of the A to Z of the gin glossary. From M to Z. Yeah. What a way to make a living. <laughs> Indeed. It doesn't work. Although we don't make a living from this. <laughs> no, good, absolutely not. It's no. very, very expensive. We occasionally get a lovely bottle of gin yeah. and that is the perks. Yeah. And we enjoy doing it. Yeah, we do. Yes. And we've also got an interview with Newcastle Gin today. Yes, a you... very, very delicious gin indeed. I tried it. I went and met the head distiller. Absolutely fantastic with a lovely tonic, an indie tonic, which I'd love to get hold of, but I don't know. I've never seen them. Indie tonic? I-N-D-I. Oh, yes. right. One of the best tonics I've ever had. Wow. It was delicious. Okay, we'll look into that. Let's search. If anyone knows where to get them, or feel free to send them to Mother's Room Podcast. Thank you yeah. very much. As usual. And we've, got, of course, got all the latest gin news coming up for you today. Gin news! So, as usual, get yourself a drink. Yep. Enjoy. Responsibly. <laughs> Just kidding. Drink as much as you can. Matthew's really ill today. I'm fine. So I'm really going to enjoy editing the sniffles. It's going to be oh, fine. I didn't actually make the sniffle. <laughs> Before we start, you're not drinking. No. Matthew's drinking grapefruit squash. Finest of all squashes. <laughs> He's got his shirt open. Yeah. Like a Lothario. Look, girls are going to have to try and concentrate <laughs> on the content, not on the imagery, the sweet, sweet imagery you're bringing up for them. Well, I'm the only girl here and I think I can cope. Oh, uh, yeah, you. There's <laughs> listeners, they'll just be going, ooh, Matthew with his shirt open and a possibly runny nose. It's too much for some people. He's just got back from work. Yeah. It's very late at night. Yes, it is. So, uh, apologies in it advance if this whole show goes to shit but we're gonna try when have we ever apologized for our show's going to shit <laughs> episode three yes oh, oh yes that was <laughs> i am drinking an eden mill it is a delicious delicious gin it's really nice um, i'm drinking it with a fentiman's botanical tonic water and it goes really really well because it's not overly botanical the eden mill no nope. It's all about the juniper, so it's quite nice to add that little extra botanical touch to it. So I'm enjoying it. Chin chin. Yeah. So, okay, we did get up to N in the alphabet. Mm-hmm. And N is for nose. Nose. Mm. What's nose all about? Nose, I believe, to be the scent of the gin. Yeah, you can use it as a, a noun yeah. to mean the scent of the gin. Or... You can use it as a verb yeah. to refer to the technique of smelling the gin. Go and nose that gin. What? Go and nose that gin. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to do a, a nose joke then, like a, a, some kind of nose pun. Well, who knows? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't expect us to do that joke. Are you genuinely surprised? I that? was genuinely surprised. What is wrong with you? <laughs> so, yeah, there are some techniques to nosing the gin mm-hmm. 
So it's recommended that you smell and taste the gin at neat first and at room temperature. Yes. Uh, we sometimes taste it neat with the ice in, which is probably a, a plebs trick. Who's going, to, who's going to tell us otherwise? Yeah. The Gin Kings, because they don't exist. <laughs> they don't exist. So, Brockman's UK brand ambassador, Mike Watmore, I think I've pronounced that incorrectly, sorry Mike, told the decanter.com, tasting and smelling the gin neat first will allow the nuances of the gin to be most apparent, though it will mean the alcohol will feel at its most powerful. Over-sniffing neat samples can lead you to going nose-blind though, so make sure you give your nose a break. It sounds... Like snobby, mm. but it's it's just science in it. Because mm. you've got that, you've got to have a smell, and like, but like the ones that go, oh, I'm getting a field of old tights jumping around in a chest of drawers. They're the idiots. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, but you know what I mean. People yeah. go on like that. Yeah. And what you're getting? The aeroplane on a frosty morning. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shut up, man. It's gin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I've never met anyone quite so good at tasting as you and yeah. you do come up with some quite imaginative uh, yeah I know but I'm doing that for entertainment wise no you're not you're definitely tasting those things oh yeah yeah but you know when you go to a taste like when you're breathing in the forest mm. that's because that's true yeah it's not like I'm not picturing myself in a forest I'm not like not weird it's not like it's I'm like sports I'm picturing myself in a forest when I'm drinking Martin Miller's gin or some. Or some if like. you got drunk in a forest you'd be dead in an hour <laughs> why bears in that yeah because your lack of survival skills <laughs> Bears than that, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so don't go nose blind by oversniffing. Yeah. Uh, the book Ginspiration, edited by Libby Brown, suggests that you hold the gin glass about five centimetres from your nose, gently swirl it around to release the aromas. Yeah, just give it a spin. Give, give it a spin. Give it a niff. Like, give it a couple, I'd say three tops. Yeah. Second one, you'll get something different or you get something you missed. Third one's just to make sure you've smelled everything you've smelled. Yeah, exactly. And I would say it's really important because I've tasted gins before just straight off the bat with tonic, with ice, and thought, oh yeah, that's an alright gin. When you taste it neat, so much more stuff comes through. Oh yeah, yeah. And that doesn't leave you. So then when you taste it again with the tonic, your memory is kind of awakened of the, the neat tasting. And yeah, you, you really are. Yes, of course. So yeah. O. O is for Old Tom. Old Tom. Yeah. So Old Tom is essentially the missing link between Jin's first incarnation, Geneva, and the modern London dry gin we know and love today. Mm-hmm. So The evolution of. Yeah, Old Tom's like, you know when you get the evolution of man? There's like halfway a bent up. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. stooped. Yeah, he's still stooped. <laughs> so Old Tom is a stooped man. Yes. Yes. Um, very popular in the 18th century at the height of the gin craze it's sweeter than London Dry but drier than Dutch Geneva and the reason for its sweetness is that the older gins were rougher and required sweetening to hide the impurities the name is thought to have come from you know this yes the poster yeah Captain Dudley Bradstreet's gin vending machine mm-hmm. where the sign of a cat uh, had that's a what I meant to say not a poster <laughs> yeah um, yeah if you missed that episode it was the why yeah, rude. why? Go back and listen to it. Yeah, totally rude. I think it was episode three. But yes, the rogue Captain Dudley Bradstreet found a way of selling gin via a hole in the wall. A wooden carving of a cat with a lead pipe coming out of his paw would dispense illicit gin into the toothless mouths of hags. Yeah. 
And faithless mouths of men, let's not be sexist, it wasn't just hags that drank gin. No, it wasn't just hags. Men <laughs> hags, he hags, she hags. She hags. All the hags. <laughs> okay. P is for pot still. So, a pot still is a type of distillation apparatus. Mm-hmm. It's used to distill gin. It's also used to distill other spirits, such as whiskies. Is it because it's a massive pot? It's a massive copper pot. There you go. Usually copper, anyway. So, unlike the coffee still, which is also known as the column still or the continuous still, pot stills operate on a batch distillation process. And the benefit of using a pot still over a column still is that it purifies the gin more effectively while preserving the flavour of the botanicals. Mm. So when you hear of a small batch gin, probably pot distilled. Q. Q. Um, Queen? Correct. Queen Geneva? Queen Anne. Queen Anne. That's the gin queen. <laughs> yeah, she was the gin queen. So Queen Anne was the Queen of England um, around about the early 18th century. She was nicknamed Dram Shop, and that's because she was known to enjoy a glass of gin. Or, you know, What would that be called? Speakeasy Reed. Yeah, I yeah, like it. Well, do. I love that. That's what it's called from now on, please. Although today you seem to be finding it quite difficult to speak. So there was a popular London nursery rhyme in the 18th century that went, There she stands, Anne in the lurch, with her head towards the gin and her back to the church. Oof. So I think this Burn. was. Yeah, <laughs> I think this was about a statue of Queen Anne which has her back to. I think it might be St Paul's Cathedral mm-hmm. and her face towards the gin shops and it's apt because Anne inadvertently encouraged gin production in the early 18th century by cancelling a charter which Charles I had issued to the Worshipful Company of Distillers so they had initially exclusive licence to distill gin oh, she opened the floodgates so she literally opened the gin floodgates and suddenly nice. anyone could make gin yeah so within a generation scores and scores of gin shops had started springing up around London particularly in the poorer areas nice. so she was really instrumental in the the first in the gin craze nice so we could not mention old queen anne good old queen anne plus q's a difficult one yes q was a difficult one <laughs> there's a lot of difficult ones wasn't there yes we thought oh it must be loads of words yeah all of them share the same one exactly g yeah oh, i've got 18 for g <laughs> some a lot of them were gin yeah <laughs> R is for... Re- Pirates. <laughs> Rirates? <laughs> no. R. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think I meant Rirates? <laughs> or did you think I'm Scooby-Doo? I'm so tired. Oh, no. <laughs> Rirates. <laughs> Rambogus. <laughs> yeah, no. R is for Reflux. Reflux. Yeah. yeah. Well, a couple of reddies. Sort that out. <laughs> Yeah, in your case. But in this case, it's the act of liquid turning into vapour, mm-hmm. condensing inside the pot still, and then dripping back into the pot. So reflux is actually... And clouds rearing gin. Yeah, kind of condensation, but... Like a little weather thing inside. And like a little... Pot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a little microclimate. Yeah. But um, reflux is actually really important because the more reflux, the more purity. However... Less reflux. My stomach's is so pure. <laughs> <laughs> it might be flavoursome though, because less reflux, more flavour. Ah, mm. right. There we go. So it's kind of a balancing act. Mm. S is for slow. So slow berries are a sort of wild plum. They come from the blackthorn. Mm-hmm. And you only really... Why don't you call them blackthorn berries then? That's a much cooler I don't know. Slow is weird. 
But do you remember there used to be a cider called Dry Blackthorn? Blackthorns, aye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, aye. And I think it was really kind of acidic and um, mm. sour. And that's the case with slow with slowberries. They're very, very, very sour. Not really edible because they taste so bad. And that's why you only really hear about them in the context of gin. Mm. Weird, isn't it, that someone's taken someone so crap and gone, hmm. What can we do with it? Let's soak it in loads of alcohol and sugar and that see seems to what be the it way. tastes like. <laughs> that seems to be the way, doesn't it? But I, that... I found this horse shit. What should we do with it? She's putting alcohol. Well, so. that's what they did with the quinine, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. They started having their gins and tonics yeah. so that the quinine was more kind of soluble and... Um, Tasteful. And, and less yuck. Yeah, so the berries ripen in mid to late autumn and locals tend to guard their secret spots. So you hear about the legend of the slowberries. You know, no one will ever tell you where the slowberries are. Starring Nicolas Cage, not ever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> the legend of the slowberries. Yeah, my mum makes very, very good slow gin and um, she's got a really good slowberry cache near her house. Mm. But she does live next to Sellafield Nuclear Reprocessing Plant. So. Glow in the dark slow. Yeah. <laughs> Glowberries. Glowberries. But contrary to the belief that they're rare and sparse, they're actually grown all over the place in the UK. You can find them pretty much anywhere. But most commonly in your bottle of gin. Yes. I do love a slow gin. I like a slow gin, yeah. I've yet to try monkey slow. I'd love to try monkey slow. We shall look out for that. Yeah, and if, you, if you're listening outside of the UK, I'd be interested to know, is slow gin a thing? Is it a UK thing? Is it a global thing? I think there was, I read something about American having slow gin as something like a shooter. Where it's oh, not right. slow gin, it's something else and it's just called slow gin. Okay, um, South City Gin Club... We yeah. know you listen. South City Gin, all the way over in Amazwani Mer- Poos. Yeah, and um, you're like our American listener. Yeah. So, um... Uh, two, Game of Thrones cocktails, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Lauren. Hi, enjoy your season eight. Yeah. <laughs> guys, yeah, tell us, do you guys drink slow gin in the, in the States? Um, so, yeah, that's slows. Slow. That's the uh, Kylie Minogue song, Slow. That was the chorus. Great, great song, that. Is that a real song? Yeah, it's great. Huh? It's not about slowberries, obviously. <laughs> you imagine if she just all of her songs about love and relationships, don't you? I want, I want to write one about berries. <laughs> People had a gin over winter. Yeah, slows. <laughs> that nearly made me choke on my eating now. Don't know why, because it's so silly. <laughs> oh, God, I think we've gone silly. We have gone silly. I do apologise, listeners. Quickie on tea. Tea is for test batch. Yes, test batch is the distiller's batch to make sure they get the ingredients right. Yeah, basically that's what it is. Yes. So it's a good way to experiment with different types of recipes and ingredients and stuff like that. So the big distilleries will do loads of that and just scop away loads of gin. Where do you reckon that goes? There's a, a I, reservoir of I gin. I don't know, but I'd love to know. Yeah. Um, I'd beer than So, big distilleries, if you don't want any of your <laughs> yeah. crap runoffs, can we'll, we just have them? Yeah, we'll, we'll have it. Like, if you send it in vats, we'll have it and we'll we'll infuse it. Yeah. We'll make it into something wonderful. I'd give you 10% of the profits. Send it to us. We hate being able to see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, class, I've been waiting for you. Have you? Yeah. 
We're so ready for oh, it. Oh, that's adorable. Yes. You is for unfiltered. Yeah. Just like me, unfiltered, unabashed. <laughs> Uncensorable, unless you choose to censor it. I will cut the shit out of this episode, Ray. <laughs> unfiltered. Um, so in the whiskey industry, non-chill filtered is sometimes written on bottles of single malt as a sign of quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't, I think, if I'm correct, I have read about this, it means if you chill it unnaturally, yeah. to get down to what, it takes less time? It's it's not so much that it takes less time, it means that you've gotten rid of loads of the sediment from it. Ah. Yes, so, so basically, lesser quality whiskey distilleries who are looking for consistency after barrel aging. It's a lot of S's in that sentence. You did it very well. Thank you for not saying that that was my third attempt to say that sentence. Yeah, to get the consistency right, they bring the temperature of a batch down to zero degrees. Mm-hmm. Now, at zero degrees, proteins form in the liquid and stick together, and they can then be removed, the liquid warmed up and bottled. So it means that it loses some flavour, but there's no chance of any kind of floaters or sediment in the bottom. In the gin world, this isn't necessary at all. The only reason a gin should ever be filtered is if it's been mixed. So if you've made an infusion, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we use a highly scientific coffee filters. We use coffee filters, yeah, exactly. But generally with gin, it doesn't need to be filtered. But people have started using it as a kind of marketing ploy. uh, Like... uh, Stuff like face creams with using this type of science. Retinol Pro V. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's that? Oh, so you wouldn't understand the science. It's, it's nothing, petroleum it? oil. It's yeah. nothing, is it? No, no. It's not. Yeah, ex- does ex- it do anything? No, no, no ex- exactly that. Exactly that. So if you see unfiltered on a bottle of gin, don't worry about it. Don't pay more. Ah, uh, don't pay more just because it's got that. On. Yeah. V is for vacuum distillation. Vacuum distillation, indeed. So we've talked about pot stills and this is a new thing though vacuum distillation yeah quite a new uh, phenomenon I think it's certainly gaining popularity yeah so so instead of heating up the botanicals during the distillation process so in vacuum distilling instead of heating up the botanicals and the neutral grain spirit until they reach a boiling point of around 78 degrees celsius Cold distillation uses uses vacuum pressure to bring down the boiling point to 25 to 40 degrees Celsius. Magic, isn't it? How yeah. do you even think about that? I know. How do you even come up with that? I'll tell you what will help this. Doing this. That's mad. Yeah. Who uses it? I think HEP will do, don't they? HEP will use it, yep. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Oxley Cambridge Gin, yeah. cabin, cabin Pressure Vacuum Distilled Gin use it as well. I probably would have guessed they did, yeah. if I'd known the tale of that gin, yes. Yeah, because Heppel, they were displaying a machine in uh, Fenix in Newcastle. It was crazy, wasn't it? It, it looked, looked like, if you watch Breaking Bad, you know, Gail Betica's like, coffee machine that yeah. uses all these valves and test it was, tubes. It was, had the big uh, bell-bottom uh, vases and they were just yeah. like, flinging them about like it was name ones, but it was like... Looked like a shit juggler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was great. It was amazing. So, the reason for using this process is that the botanicals remain intact while the spirit gets distilled. So, it means that, you know, all those all those oils and flavours in the botanicals are, are preserved. Ah. Yeah. Clever girl. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. And heppel gin is absolutely exquisite, so... It is very nice. Can't be a bad thing. Not at all. 
W is for wormwood. Wormwood, yes, we tried that. It drives you insane, doesn't it? Yeah, it can cause all kinds of... They use that in absinthe, don't they, wormwood? Yes, they do. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, um, it's a herb. The above-ground plants and oil are used for medicine. It's used for various digestion problems, such as loss of appetite, upset stomach, gallbladder disease and intestinal spasms. Having said that, when we made pearl, which is a wormwood-infused gin... And ale combination. Certainly you seem to get some intestinal spasms, yeah, didn't you? It didn't, didn't settle my stomach <laughs> no. in any way, shape or form. No. <laughs> no, that was... It's rotten. My favourite descriptions of it come in um, Culpepper's Complete Herbal, which is the definitive and very old guide Yeah, an ancient herbs. book I found. So, Culpepper says as an infusion in wine or ale, it is an easy, as good a preparation as any. The infusion drank morning and evening for some time helps hysterics, <laughs> obstructions of the spleen and weakness of the stomach. Its oil taken on sugar and drank after kills worms, resists poison and is good for the liver and jaundice. The root has a slow bitterness which affects not the head and eyes like the leaves, hence the root should be accounted among the best Stomachics. The, Stomachics. Oil, the oil of the seed given from half a scruple to half a dram in some liquor <laughs> or a spoonful of the juice in some wine taken before the fit comes on and the patient put to bed cures quotidians and quartans in a looseness from eating too much fruit after the use of rhubarb wormwood is excellent so if you've eaten too much rhubarb and you've got the shits let's get some wormwood if the shits doth come unbidden. <laughs> <laughs> then of them you shall be ridden. <laughs> Wormwood in your wine be taken. <laughs> when the moon is at its fullest. <laughs> um, X is for Zoriga Mahonjin. Yeah, Zoriga Mahonjin, yeah. my favourite. <laughs> no, I'd never heard of it either and we were really reaching at this oh, point. Oh, God, I mean, like... X-ray, got nothing to do with gin. Xylophones have got nothing to do with gin. Xenophobia's got very little to do with gin. (laughs) Thank goodness. Yes. About time. (laughs) But yeah, Zorica gin is the only remaining gin with a GI, also known as a geographical indication. Oh. Which is kind of like, you know, in in French, domaine d'origine contrôle, like uh, champagne, for example. Yeah. You said that with such a beautiful accent. Domaine d'origine contrôlée. That's better. Thank you. A little bit better. <laughs> so basically it has to be made in a certain place in order to be called Zorigo. So since the lapsing of the geographic indications for Plymouth Gin in the UK and Vilnius in Lithuania, this is the only gin that has a... Geographical indication. Geographical indication. Oh. Yeah. It can only be called Zorigo Gin if it's made in the Mediterranean island of Menorca. Ah, is that right? Mm-hmm. Nice. Let's try some. Y is for yellow gin. What on earth is yellow gin, Matthew? I think it's barrel-aged gin. It is barrel-aged gin, yeah, exactly. You you might also... Because it looks like whittle. <laughs> it does look very like whittle. And you might get a surprise when picking up a glass of barrel-aged gin because it looks very like whiskey. It also smells quite whiskey-y. Um, whiskey-ish? S- whiskey-ish. Is that yeah, another one? That's yeah, better, that'll yeah. Do. Sweet, oaky, spice-infused, um, and dates back to the 18th century when gin was shipped around the globe in barrels. Yeah, 
So it's not really a tradition, it's just, it was just necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aberforth's bathtub gin is barrel aged and that's one of my favourite gins. We haven't had that for a long time actually. No, we haven't because uh, I think episode three tells us why we shouldn't be drinking Actually, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We we overdid it in episode three. We, and that was it. We didn't really overdo it. It's very strong. It is, it is quite strong, but it tastes very, very smooth so you don't realise that exactly, it's quite yeah. strong. It's uh, like the Ram gin. I had the army strength of that it's like 50% it's smoother than smoother than Gordon's really yeah it's just you can drink that like that that's really? 50% that's testament to its quality isn't it yeah, yeah uh, Aberforth's bathtub that has that gorgeous golden yeah. colour to it now Z is for Zosimos of Panopolis of course it is mm. so Zosimos of Panopolis is one of the first ever alchemists so in his name lies a history lesson that will take us back to Jin's earliest beginnings. He was a Greek Egyptian alchemist and Gnostic mystic who lived at the end of the third and beginning of the fourth century AD. Honestly, thought you were going to say a real more there, but kind of. And he wrote the oldest known books on alchemy. Ooh. So he's kind of a forgotten figure in many ways, but he's a really important figure when it comes to the history of spirits. He provided one of the first definitions of alchemy as the study of the composition of waters, movement, growth, embodying and disembodying, drawing the spirits from bodies and bonding the spirits within bodies. So... Long way around to say something that, isn't it? It's a, I think it's really beautiful and it kind of talks in really kind of mystical terms and he literally saw alchemy as a gift from the gods or should I say fallen gods so he thought that these fallen angels had fallen in love with women and married them and passed on their heavenly secrets of alchemy and that's how man obtained the, the knowledge. Mm-hmm. He was a strange guy, so... Yes, yes. Uh, I'll give you that. (laughs) Yeah, some of his ideas came to him through a series of weird and sometimes horrific dreams that he would have. So they were centred around the idea of change. So in one dream, he meets a man at an altar. The man then impales Zosimos with a sword, dismembers him, and then, in accordance with the rules of harmony, takes the pieces of Zosimos' body to the altar burns them upon the fire of the art until Zosimos himself perceived by the transformation of the body that he had become spirit. So he's literally broken down into pure elements. And although it's a really weird kind of analogy, it was kind of his, the dawning of his understanding of alchemy, really, and how alchemy is all about breaking down... Yeah, everything comes from... Everything into its absolute purest form so when Zosimos woke up he asked himself and I quote is this not the composition of the waters so the water by the waters he means the distillate or the liquid that was being distilled so in another dream a man is being boiled alive Zosimos witnesses this and the man says to him the sight that you see is the entrance and the exit and the transformation 
He tells Zosimos that moral perfection is the act of the spirit escaping from the body. And when Zosimos wakes, he feels this divine parallel between moral purity and material purity. And that spurs him on to go deeper into this exploration of the process of distillation and how it's a kind of, it's a chemical change to a substance, but that it's almost representative of this kind of spiritual change. Mm. It reminded me of um, Breaking Bad. I'm going back to Breaking Bad again, but you know, in the first episode of Breaking Bad, and if you haven't watched Breaking Bad... Oh yeah, where he breaks down the human body. No, that's a bit later. This is where he's just talking to his class. And if you if you haven't watched Breaking Bad, A, watch it because it's amazing. But B, you know, the idea of it is all about this chemist who transforms from this everyday man into this kind of Machiavellian villain. But a lot of it's explained through chemistry. And there's, there's a bit where he's giving a talk to his chemistry class. And he says, chemistry is not the study of chemicals. It's the study of change. And he talks about how, you know, it's about breaking things down into their pure elements and then building them back up into something completely different that has all these incredible new properties. And it's a bit of an allegory for how he as a person is going to change throughout the series. But I think that's really, really interesting that Zosimos saw this as kind of more than just, you know, a chemical process. It was all about the process of change. And, th- and I think that's why spirits then ended up in like the Italian monasteries the monks started distilling and because it was kind of like uh, what they were doing with themselves yeah almost like a religious experience mm-hmm. good job he just didn't have a dream about being naked at school you know yeah I mean that that would have been a nightmare <laughs> yeah. been a weird tasting gin that one <laughs> and he wouldn't be able to drink off the trauma because he hadn't invented gin yet mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, we're at the Z's, we're at the Z's, we're at the, Z's. We're at the, we're at the Z's. end, but I thought that was a really lovely one to end with. It is nice, it's a lovely little story. Mm. It you... sounds, like, sounds, like sounds like a chap to hang out with. Yeah, doesn't he though? Yeah. Some of his drawings are amazing. If you look up Zosimos, Z-O-S-I-M-O-S of Panopolis. Panopolis. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Have a look at some of his drawings. They're like a child's drawing. Of, it's like saying to a child, go and draw that scientific <laughs> equipment. And they're so basic, but they actually laid the foundations for just an incredible amount of kind of scientific discovery. Yeah. So. Similar things. What a chap. Yeah. So that's it, Matthew. You've made it to the end of this episode. You're looking absolutely dreadful. Fine. A little peaky. But uh, there completes the A to Z of gin jargon. Busted. Gin news. Headlines today. Cocky tales. 80% of gin lovers believe they make the best G&T. Licence to distill. HMRC are handing out two distilling licences per week. And Gin the Mail, a new craft gin club, opens up. So, cocky tales. 80% of gin lovers believe they make the best G&T in the world. What? That is just people at home. Do you think you make a good G&T? I think I make quite a good G&T, but I have been known to make the odd error. Like last week, I drowned out poor elephant gin in tonic water. You did? I'll put my hands up to that. Yes, you should. Yeah. Because you ruined everything. <laughs> well, no, it's people like, uh, they think they're better than uh, 
local bartenders and mixologists. And I'll be honest, if you're making good cocktails, then fair enough. Yeah. Give us a double and I'll be fine as long as it's a good gin. I think what people probably mean is that they're good at making it to their own taste. Yeah. And that just goes to show that with gin, it's not about any particular recipe or formula for making the perfect one. It's simply about... Gin's a very personal drink. Exactly. Yes. Like, uh, apparently the garnishes are changing now. Lemon and lime's been um, ignored. Pink grapefruit is 38% of the uh, citrus fruit used in gin teas now. Is that right? It is indeed. I do like a pink grapefruit in I do like a bit of gin tea... uh, with a grapefruit, yes, that's a night. <laughs> yes, a bit of GNT with a grapefruit, not a bit of grapefruit <laughs> with a GNT. I just like to hollow out a grapefruit <laughs> and just pour in a gin oh That, that would be amazing. Should we do it? Let's absolutely do that. Uh, trademark, yeah. Mother's Ruin, yeah. hollowing out citrus fruit and filling with GNT. <laughs> so that's good. So there's all kinds of people trying to think, and everyone's considering themselves a gin connoisseur now because. Uh, Apparently the average is five different types of bottle of gin in a gin lover's house. Is that right? Yes. How many have we got? About 75. 75. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that it just simply means that gin Gin, is to be enjoyed to your own taste. Yeah, I think gin's one of the most malleable and it's anybody's game now. Exactly. Where it used to be snobbish, well it didn't in the beginning as we all know, but it it got into the snobby realms and now that's been smashed out of the park. I'm all for gin spreading its wings. Absolutely. Now, a licence to distill. The HMRC is now so busy because of gins, it's having to uh, hand out two new distilling licences a week. Wow. As gin soars. Latest figures show that gin continued up with March in 2018. We've discussed how how much it flew before. It sold an additional 35 million of the spirit abroad as compared with 2017. So the uh, international market's grown for it, Ah, which is a great thing. Well, the exports are exceeding 567 million. Wow. Yeah, because in 2015 it was 421. So it's absolutely smashing through the roof. It's doing really well. Great stuff. And I think the the other good thing about that is that it's great for small businesses. And, you know, it's not just monopolised by the giants anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, Gordon's, I don't think they need to worry. Yeah. But at the same time, you can get a craft gin anywhere you like. Exactly. Even in the big supermarkets. Yeah. So if you've just got your distilling licence, yes. congratulations. Go- and uh, feel free to send any of the stuff that you've <laughs> exactly. got over to uh, Mother's Room. That's yes. what I was getting at. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> what apparently, uh, the gin guild, apparently mm. that's a guild. Do you reckon they wear robes and, that, and chat and have a secret handshake? Definitely. I need to get they have to wear like a ceremonial silver dagger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But go through a lemon slice. <laughs> <laughs> or grapefruit. Ooh, might have to change. Apparently the number of distilleries actually making gin in the UK is 280. Wow. Yeah, and there's only 419 distilleries in the UK. So that yeah. is, a, there's only two, 419 distilleries in the UK and of them, 280 make gin. Oh, I see. Yes, there is other spirits. Uh... Uh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, there was a change in the law, so it's made it easier for smaller people to go for it. That's great. And I think you mentioned the ratio of distilleries to gin distilleries. I think that's another trend that's been happening in the past couple of years that, you know, whiskey makers have realised that it's so quick to make gin that, you know, obviously you don't have to age your gin in barrels for for months or even years. So they are using their downtime to start distilling gin, which great, the more the better. Yeah, exactly. It's the micro distilleries are really making it, uh, mm. really making a difference, and they put the number of UK gin brands at eight hundred and sixty varieties. That's a lot of different types of gin. So I was just coming back from France. I saw four gins I'd never tried over there. Yeah, 
black tomato gin. Oh yeah, you but you can get that here. It's Dutch, but you can get it here. But oh, honestly, I got such a surprise. Like this is how stupid I was trying to put my finger on that extra flavour in the background mm. for ages. I was like, black tomato gin. What is that flavour? Was it tomato? It was. It was black tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought it might have just been a funny name, but no, no, it's not. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, thanks for leaving me to do gin news on my own last week. You are more than welcome. I was really poorly. You were really poorly? And you were off in the Alps, swanning yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, swanning around. Drinking black, ch- black tomato gin. Black tomato. Yeah. Okay, well, what have you got to say for yourself? What have I got to say for yourself? Yeah. Well, um, I was out there doing research. Tried oh, yeah. Altitude gin, which is uh, a French gin made in the mountains. Is it really? Yes. It tasted very much like an old Tom or a Geneva. Oh, interesting. Mm, it was all right. Mm. But okay. black tomatoes, definitely want to try. What's next, Mackie? What's next? What's next indeed? Gin the Mail. There's a new craft gin subscription service launching. Is very there? much like the Craft Gin Club, I imagine. Yeah. And uh, I Love Gin.com. The Gin Society. Yes. Each month, 95 Australian dollars. So have you got any Australian dollars hanging about? That'll help. Oh, so this is an Australian company. Apparently you get the full bottle of Artisan Gin and a copy of their custom magazine, Gin Journal, delivered to the door. And members will also be invited to attend exclusive and special gin-centric events. Yeah, I mean, right, if you're popping over to Australia, yeah. you might as well join on. The founder, Andrew Bird, said, we love a good gin. Good start, Andrew. Well done. <laughs> he, he loves a good gin. And he says it's what inspired us to start the Gin Society. We want to create a space where we could curate and share the world's finest artisan gins with a community of like-minded gin enthusiasts. Well, that's us. Apparently, they launched in December with Italian gin Revo, small batch family-run distillery. Revo is a fresh, full-bodied gin, apparently. Mm. It combines Italian grain alcohol with hand-foraged botanicals. Hand-foraged. Uh, rescued juniper berries. <laughs> I hate it when I can taste machinery. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, where well, this was on a conveyor belt at some point. <laughs> I'm not having this. <laughs> um, did you try an Australian gin, did you say? Or have we been recommended an Australian gin? Yes, we have. Yes, uh, Artisan Distillers Manly Spirits, small batch distilled from Sydney, Australia. So it's just come over to the UK, it's just had the UK launch. We got recommended it by Glenn Stebnicki via Instagram. Manly oh. Spirits from uh, Sydney, Australia, so we must try that. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, thanks for, very much for that, Glenn. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks Thanks for turning out. Keep buying the records. Uh, <laughs> good kid. Hey, you're a good kid. Keep it up. Dreams come true. Uh, we can make this happen. Uh, we will try and get our hands on a bottle of that manly spirit. Yes. So if manly spirits are listening, if you feel free to send us some tastings, <laughs> that would be absolutely delightful. And give us some tasting notes, that would be brilliant. In fact, we'll get in touch with them ourselves. We'll yes. see if we can get in touch with them, see where we can find this manly spirits. We'll get some, we'll have a taste of it. We'll have an international gin battle. Yes. Ooh, that's Ooh. a good idea. Right, international gin battle. World War of Gins. Mm. Yeah, but without any kind of horrible politics behind it. Yeah. Yes. Um, one, I've got a final bit of gin news. Didsbury Gin yes. appeared on Dragon's Den on BBC this yes, week. Yes, they did. And they got two offers from the Dragons Ooh. to invest in their gin company. Um, they looked really sharp in their suits and the brand looked awesome. I've never tried Didsbury Gin, so I'm definitely going to go and try it. So just wanted to say congratulations to you yes. guys. Well done, Didsbury Gin. I am in Manchester soon, so I will yeah. uh, find you. I will find you. <laughs> And I will drink you. So there we go. That's this week's Gin News. It's interview time at Mother's Room Podcast. And I'm in a very special place in Newcastle, Bealham House. 
which is a bar and an eatery that also has its own distillery, very similar to the Poetic Licence one. And I'm, I'm going to try the Newcastle Gin. It's the uh, distillery of the Newcastle Gin, right here, fresh out the taps. So I'm going to give that a shot. And what's this tonic you've got going with it? That's Indie Tonic. Where's that from? They are a Spanish company. Spanish company? It smells absolutely delightful. Uh, yeah, I probably should introduce you. This is Adam McDonough. What do you do here at Bill and Head distiller here. Head distiller. Oh, get him. Yes, he does have a beard. Of course he does. <laughs> He's a head distiller. So how long have you been doing distilling? Uh, about two years now. Two years? Two year, yeah. Just Newcastle? or Just Newcastle, yeah. Started off doing all the brand stuff for Newcastle Gin and then got to the point where it outgrew us. So we started, I started distilling all of it. Um, my boss was distilling at the, fir- at the first point. Yeah. He ended up. It was too busy mm-hmm. for just one of it. So now I'm doing all the distilling. Um, currently distilling about eight times a week. So what kind of what kind of level of gin we're talking here? About 220 bottles. 220 bottles. Every time we distill. So I mean, like, I mean, that's I mean, next to beef eater, and that, that's definitely small that's batch, isn't it? Beef eater does that in about thirty seconds, doesn't it? Beef eater threw away more gin this morning than we yeah, yeah. made in the last year. It's insane, year. isn't it? Newcastle gin. Who, whose concept was it originally? Uh, my boss, a guy called Harry, started off bootlegging it on a still. Uh, that's oh, what I like oh, yeah, oh, a good old bandit <laughs> story. <laughs> Obviously, completely above board. Um, and, uh, <laughs> nice little intersection. There. Uh, he did nothing <laughs> illegal. <laughs> And then after that, doing this bar out a couple of years ago, it used to be an old sports bar. Yeah. I think there's plenty of sports bars in Newcastle, isn't there? Um, plenty of them. They're a bit of a dying art, you know. There's, yeah. not, there's not many of them left. Yeah. Um, so doing this bar out three years ago. Yeah. I'll do it properly. It's beautiful, uh, mind. All exposed brick. Bloody little hipsters. <laughs> yeah, you reclaimed the wood everywhere. <laughs> I know what you're up to. <laughs> But yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful bar. I love the tile and stuff. And it's, uh, it's uh, do do come down. It's on. Uh, is this Gallagher Road? Gallagher. Yeah. yeah, Gallagher Road. Do pop down if you're in Newcastle. So um, and and sample this delightful gin. Uh, so obviously, I, I normally ask when I talk to the distillers how the name came about. But I mean, it's pointless really. Yeah, isn't Newcastle it? gin. Kind of similar to Quiet License, only they didn't want to call their Sunderland gin. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what makes Newcastle gin? A distinctive northeast flavour. We're very proud of our heritage here in Newcastle. Um, we distill everything on the back of the old city wall, or as close to Newcastle as we possibly can be. Um, and we're taking a lot of the culture drinking in the city that dates back hundreds and thousands of years. Um, Newcastle's always been a drinking town, and that's something yep. we're proud to celebrate. The beer industry kind of left around 2010 when they moved Brown Hill out of the city, yep. so to maintain that name and as a quality of alcohol. Is quite an important note. So, like the pride Newcastle gin is. Uh, is it a, a flavour of the city? Fortunately, we have some here. So I'm going to have a little taste of this and see what I get. Let's have a little nip. It's a very strong rose, isn't it? This is the juniper that's come through. I'm getting rose in that as well. There's a lot of rose, and um, that is there's a sweeter type of rosy scent, uh, like hibiscus. There's hibiscus in. Oh, is that herby as well. God, it's everything. It's, it's, it's a proper bouquet, that thing. I mean, I tried not to use the word bouquet. <laughs> yeah. let's, have a, let's have a little taste then. Oh, the sweetness is there. Uh, the rose is very strong, yeah. It's lovely. Then you get that balance of the sumac on the end, which gives it a really long lasting sip. I've got, like, I mean, I've never tasted sumac, so I wouldn't have been Sumac's able to. It's like a Moroccan spice, but it tastes yeah. a bit like a sherbet. Yeah. So it's got that like, really long, crisp lemon. Mm. Yeah, well, it's a citrus. I was thinking orange. 
Yeah, it, it, it does. It, it stays. It stays on your top right. I'm good. I tell you what. I'm, I've been quite excited. A bit of ice, obviously. Oh, we've got rose petals and juniper in there as well. That's nice. And I'm going to try this indie tonic. I'm not going to drown it. So this indie tonic, that's from Spain, is it? I've never tried this one. Have a quick slurp of that on its own. Oh my word! That's incredible. That is incredible, absolutely spectacular. Oh, indie. Gonna have to. Find myself a case of that. Fifty yeah. pound a case, you said. It's expensive. It uh, is expensive, yeah. If import tonic is the company you can get it off. Yeah, import tonic. Yeah, I've got tonic. Let's have a the, go. The with gin's that. really good. Yeah. Oh, that is that is a delightful mixture, isn't it? Thank you very much. Yeah, that is perfect. That is exactly what you should drink there. So Newcastle gin with a bit of rose petal in there as well, and indie tonic, which is. God, that is a treat, that stuff. Right. That was quite the surprise to us. I just oh my word. <laughs> but it doesn't drown it out either. It's like, it's a, the taste when you taste it out of the bottle is quite strong. I thought, oh God, that, but it, it just marries, marries to the gin straight away. That is such a good gin as well. It's, it's, it's a very adult gin, you know what I mean? It's not like yeah. a, I love a flavoured gin. Don't get us wrong. I uh, would argue differently with you there. I like, I like absolutely a flavoured gin. Sick of flavor gin. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, rhubarb has never had a better... Uh, better run of it, but <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exist in butcher. Exactly, I, <laughs> but I, I do. I do like the flavour gin, but there's nothing. There's nothing like the pure gin. So you, you obviously uh, not keen. I'm very passionate about non-flavoured gins at the minute. Yeah. In my main argument being that X and X rhubarb flavoured gin or X and X raspberry flavoured gin are seventeen pound fifty a bottle if they're called X and X raspberry flavoured vodka, mm -hmm. which is what they are. Because they throw six juniper berries at the top of it, and yeah. they call it X and X raspberry flavored gin, then that doubles the price to thirty-five pound a bottle. And yeah. I don't think it's fair on the consumer. Yeah, and it's also not fair on the gin industry in that a large percentage of people that I entertain and deal with on a day-to-day -day basis tell me that they love gin, and then ask if I've got anything that's pomegranate flavor. Yeah. No, no, I don't, because gin isn't pomegranate flavor. Gin isn't pomegranate flavor. Gin, by definition, is a juniper forward spirit. Yeah. And throwing six juniper berries at the mix doesn't make that mm. gin is my main problem with it and I know there's some good guys doing a lot of work with that at the moment Heyman's Heyman's yes like that's that. right They're, they've got the it's not gin movement or something like that isn't yeah, it what, um, what's it called called time on fake gin called time on fake gin that's it it's actually my profile picture on Facebook with <laughs> oh goodness me someone's <laughs> angry <laughs> Yeah, I, I do spend a bit too much time preaching. No, 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 it's fair enough. Like, I, I completely understand. Like, I'm a purist myself. I like, uh, I do like a flavour gin, but I'll, I, I know what it is, and I know what, yeah. well, I know what a good gin is. I don't care if they were like the people, you know. And what we have found last year, we done a big gin festival, and we found that all anyone wanted was, "Have you got any room of this?" Mm. Um, Whereas this year actually was the opposite. Yeah. And the guys that were doing the gin festival had ordered in boatloads of rhubarb. Last year, we ended up drinking some wonderful stuff out of Germany, some wonderful stuff out of Belgium, because um, it was all left over, and all anyone wanted was the rhubarb stuff. This year, the only thing he took back with him was a lot of rhubarb stuff. Yeah. So I think, in terms of getting people into gin, it's been maybe worthwhile. But like crack, kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your first one. Now, if you want the good stuff, <laughs> come with me. Uh, I think in a world where people are a lot more educated about what they're drinking than maybe they ever have been, yeah. um, I think hopefully now people are going back into real gin. Right. I'm an evil gin proprietor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm stroking my uh, curly moustache. <laughs> hey, Newcastle Gin, here's a considerable amount of money. Make me a flavoured gin. What do you say? 
I think it's a huge talking point in the whole of the drinks industry at the minute, particularly mm-hmm. after Beaver Town were bought out by Heineken. Did uh, not say that. So Heineken have bought Beaver Town for well, they bought forty percent. Yeah. For about forty million quid. Oof. Um, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but it's somewhere around there. And um, there's been big discussions. Almost every bar I've been in the last couple of weeks as yeah. to whether you would do it. Of course you would. Yeah. You know, if you and your mates start making beer and your garage in six I years mean, later, yeah. I mean, the, the, price. yeah, there's an, there's, an, there's an arse to everything, but at the same time, you've got to eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure Picasso did a couple of, uh, did a couple of uh, illustrations for, uh, for letterheads, you know what I mean? <laughs> So it's a big talking point in the industry at the minute, you know, but yeah, every man's got his praise, of course, of course you do it. Right, so well, that, uh, I think that's probably all we need to do. That's uh, an absolutely delicious gin, though, the Newcastle gin. Thank well done, much. well done Appreciate for distilling that. a good bloody gin. And, uh, well, chin chin, and I will, uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you again, because in Newcastle, do come to Bealham House, do sample uh, Newcastle gin, it is wonderful. And what's that tonic? Indie tonic. Have a bang on that, it's a winner. And uh, there we go. So Newcastle Gin, uh, full marks. Full marks. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. And now it's time for <coughs> Battle of the Gins. Battle of the Gins. Dun 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 dun. And That's Mission Impossible. Do you think that was the Rocky theme tune? It's just a kind of battle cry sort of theme tune. Okay. You, you told me this last week that it was the Mission Impossible theme dun, tune. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we've gone one. over that. Right. So today we've got Battle of the Old Toms. It's like a Tom Cat fight. Yeah. A fight of tooth, claw, and annoying noise late at night. And unspayed. Unspared Spra- anger. Pheromones spraying. Um, Matt, I can tell that you want nothing less right now than to drink some aged, sweetened, very will, strong gins. I will drink some and I will use, even with a shitty nose, let's see yeah. if I guess. So, as we've mentioned earlier on the show, Old Tom Gin is the kind of the gateway drug between Geneva and London Dry Gin. It's not drunk very often today. It's kind of quite rare that you'd walk into anything other than a really well-stocked gin bar and get an Old Tom. And I will be perfectly honest with you, the first Old Tom that I tried was fairly recently. So I'm very new to the Old Tom game. Yeah. But today we've got two gorgeous Old Tom gins for you one of which has been voted the best Old Tom Gin in the world ever. Yeah, and that's Herno Old Tom Gin. Um, We've also got the Boutique Gin Company, very Old Tom Gin. Now, it's going to be a blind test, but I think you're probably going to guess which one's which fairly easily. Given that last week you guessed between two gins which had more subtle differences between the two of them, these two are very, very different. So I definitely think no one's going to be pulling the wool over your eyes today. But I'm going to pour these out for you. Just a little one, sir. Just a little one. So here's old Tom number one. It's very brown in colour. There you go. Have a sniff. Right, time for a swirl. What are you smelling? Mm, it's got a it's got a lovely orangey bounce to it, but it's got 
it smells it just smells like whiskey it's crazy yeah but there's it looks like whiskey yeah, as well it smells like whiskey a lot but if I'm 100% honest I can't smell whiskey without reaching really do you yeah. mean retching mm-hmm. is that a northeast term for retching reaching yep yeah. without going Hurt. really yeah, I quite got, like whiskey oh no I can't drink it I got ill when I was very young on it Okay, so you're not liking the smell of that. But that's the thing; it's it's a whiskey-ish smell, but it's got a um, it's got something to it that means I know it's not whiskey, so it's okay. not feeling. Okay, we'll mm. give it a taste. It's got the smoky um, smoky cask taste to it. Okay, so you're tasting woody. Yeah, yeah, it's citrusy. It's it's got it tastes like orange peel, like or it's like smelling. Interesting. Like, it's very sweet. Vanillary. That's very interesting because the boutique gin company, Very Old Tom, has bitter orange in it. Really? Mm. Well, I'm getting a bit of that, so I'm heading towards this being the boutique one. Okay. So that's number one, I believe, to be the boutique one. But let's see if this second one will be similar and or tasty. Okay, have a taste of that neat. Right. That'll do. Let's have a, let's give this one a nose. This one's not as brown. It's clear, isn't it? Yeah, it's perfectly clear. Now that smells like Christmas trees. So you're getting a kind of piney, like piney flavour, okay? Yeah. Mm. It's earthy, very earthy, like wet, wet trees. Interesting. Have a smell. Oh, that's to me. That's very floral to me. Yeah, it's the plant life, like it's very planty. Highly botanical, mm-hmm. but yes, I see what you mean. Just just at the end of the nose, the, there, the there's fl- a bit of pine. It, it, is, it is very like floral, but like you've got the green. It's a green yeah. floral. Okay, give it a taste. Oh, that is sweet. That is sugary. Is it? Is it too sweet for you? Not too sweet, but the sweetness is definitely the first thing that uh, hits you. Okay, so before we put the tonic in... Try that. I'll taste it. It's like syrupy. Oh, wow. Do you know, it's really weird, but do you know what I'm getting with that? I'm getting lychees. Sounds like you've got some sort of horrible disease. (laughs) I I think I can feel lychees coming on. I've got a touch of the lychees (laughs) again, doctor. But I can. That dripsy. Have you... (laughs) Dripsy. (laughs) Do you know what? I have to say, that is bloody incredible. That is a tasty, very, very tasty. That is very good. And when you described it as sweet, I was actually expecting it to be sweeter than it is. So oh, I've got that. that that's like, that's like sugar on me, Tom. That really, I? but you, you're a much more sensitive taster than I am. So to me, that's that's quite a delicate kind of sweetness. To me, I get like a red berry to it. But are I you? Don't, yeah, but like I, I know what you mean. Now you've now you've put light cheese in my head. Yeah, I'm going to pop a little bit more of this number one in your glass because you seem to have drunk that. We'll use. Uh, Lixer? Yep, we're using Lixer. It seems to be our go-to at the moment. That'll do, Matthew. Okay. Mm. Oh, your face isn't looking happy with the... It's gone much more whiskey-ish. I see, so when you put the tonic in, it's tasting more like whiskey. Oh, yeah. I... Just going to put this on record. Yeah. Not an old Tom fan. Okay. 
<coughs> oh, my word. That is that just tastes like whiskey to me. No. Okay. Have a taste. See what you think. Yep, that is whiskey. <laughs> and here we go. Number two, with the tonic. No, that's a that's a tasty treat. With the tonic, may I Very try, please? So. Now, how can they be the same rant of gin? Wow. Because the difference is astronomical. Wow. In colour and in flavour. Okay, so before I tell you any more about these gins, because I'm going to, I think I'm going to answer your question in a minute, Mm -hmm. but I need you to firstly tell me which you think is which, and then I need you to tell me which one wins for you. Okay, well, um, I think number one is the Boutique Gin, Mm -hmm. the very old Tom, and two must be the Herno, uh, because one... It's the very old Tom Gin, so I think mm. that's been barrels for quite a while, or they've managed to make it taste like it has, because that is just like a whiskey. And you've picked up on bitter orange. Yeah, a bit orange. And uh, the Herno, which I believe is number two, is very light, very floral, and it is completely different. And it's, mm-hmm. I could see why that's what it was. It is every type of flavour just blows up the minute it touches your tongue. It's it's as a flavour altogether I am not taken by it but it is an experience to, mm. to taste it's mm. like it's something else mm. this must be like what when fine chefs have like, used like flavours that no one's ever tasted before try that and it just like takes your head off you what is that mm. Mm. it's like that it's like a hundred different things happening on your tongue at once and that I can see why that would be one of the more compl- it's, it's a very complex gin and it's I'd see why that would win an award, so I think number two is the hurdle. You are absolutely right, yes. Yeah. So well done, Matthew. You were absolutely spot on, Mr. Super Taster, as ever. So I'll tell you a bit about both of these gins. So let's start with gin number one, which was the Boutique Gin Company, Very Old yeah. Tom. This is a really curious gin, and I can see why you didn't like it, because you don't like whiskey. It's actually got whiskey in it. Ah, the little tinkers. Yeah, yeah. So it combines a number of different spirits. So it combines vodka, rum, and whiskey. So it's basically just a little cocktail, isn't it? It's a little spirit cocktail. But then what they do is, at the end, they then combine coriander, juniper, angelica, bitter orange, and licorice, and sweeten it with cane sugar. I see. And some of the component spirits within that have been aged for a really, really long time. And that's why you're getting both the dark colour and the very woody flavour. Now, tasting that, I would say that's almost a burnt woody flavour. Yeah. It's very smoky, isn't uh, right, it? No, but also, right, now, I'm not a whiskey fan, but when I got the taste of that, I imagine that would be a good bridge between whiskey and gin. Absolutely, like... Your friend Gav, who we did the Tinjin World Tingin Cup World with. Cup. He's a whiskey man. He's a whiskey man. I think he would really like this. We'll give him a test. We'll give him a test. Um, I used to drink bourbon. And this takes me whoosh, straight yeah. back to my university days. Why do you days. drink bourbon to a cool? Uh, no, I just used to really, really love the taste of it. Mm. So I actually really like that very old Tom. But what I would say is that if somebody offered me a gin... I would send this back. Yeah, <laughs> like if if 
That's not a gin. That's, that's, to me, that's not a gin. Yeah. Hats off to them for creating a really interesting, complex flavour. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating taste. It's, yeah. not, it's not unpleasant. No. It, like The only thing I found unpleasant is the fact I'm not a whiskey drinker. Yes. But the, the flavour's complex. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's, uh, there's some lovely undertones there, but overall it just makes us go... Uh, yeah. It makes us remember New Bottle Work Men's Club. Ah, uh, right, yes. Where I managed to heave into a tiny shot glass, which was. Uh, <laughs> Did you were, you? were you sick in a shot glass? Sick in a shot glass. Oh, Matthew. Tiny bit autobiography. <laughs> but with that, you've got the the initial kind of punch of the whiskey, and then you get that 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 juniper, yeah, orangey bitter aftertaste that gin has so um hats off to them for making a really interesting drink it's fascinating but it's not it's but not that's not a gin to me yeah, it's not now herno old tom like i say yeah this has won uh international acclaim as the best old tom around and yeah. i that does not surprise no, me i can't argue now because the old toms that i've had it's much more whiskey but if this is made in the same type of way to be able to be an old Tom and taste like that, then bring it on. Yeah. So Herno, they are a Swedish gin company. Yeah. And their staple is a kind of, is a dry gin. And yeah. they've used the same ingredients that they, they use for their dry gin, which means that this old Tom is quite kind of delicate and quite botanical. But what they've done is they've upped the amount of meadowsweet in it. So that's, I think, where we're getting the real floral taste from what's um, meadowsweet meadowsweet is it's a herb it's used often in cooking you get jams and preserves made from meadowsweet i think it's a bit like elderflower in that it's kind of quite uh, a delicate floral taste but quite sweet and meadowsweet it sounds like it's got tiny little white flowers it has it? it has indeed got but tiny little white flowers like a, yeah really? there's, a, there's a picture of yeah, meadowsweet yeah. to confirm so they've increased the amount of meadowsweet and what they've also done obviously you couldn't see that picture if you want to google meadowsweet you would see what picture that is. it looks very like elderflower yes um they've also increased the amount of honey and sugar to give it that kind of old tom sweetness to it so really, it's this kind of hybrid between a kind of a dry gin. It's, yeah. it was, it's like it was born a dry gin yeah. and then was made an old Tom. So well done, Matthew, for um, A, guessing correctly. And I think you've made the right choice there with the Herno old Tom. I'm with you all the way on it. It is indeed a tasty one. It is. Now I'm going to take it off you and I'm going to finish it because quite frankly, you look terrible. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is why I've got to put up with Rina. See, she's got a lovely voice, hasn't she? She sounds dead nice. The abuse that I put up with. Well. No, she's, oh. she's drinking again, people. Okay. I can't see me getting out of tonight unbeaten. <laughs> I have to say, please go and buy a bottle of this Hono Old Tom. Even if you don't like sweet gin, if you're, if you're a London dry person, that's fine. My God. This gin is off the scale. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. So, Battle of the Gins. Winner. Hono Old Tom. Battle of the Gins. Battle of the Gins. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> okay, 
Okay, so we close this show as Matthew sinks more deeply into his chair. Well done, Matt. You got through the episode alive. Yeah, I was always going to get through it. I'm dead brave. You are very, very brave. I really enjoyed that episode. Thank you to Adam from Newcastle Gin for the interview. Quite an outspoken lad, isn't he? <laughs> Likes to see a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you really enjoyed that Newcastle Gin. Yeah, it was beautiful. I, the, the indie tonic as well, the Spanish uh, tonic. We must get hold of some of that. It's so expensive, apparently. But yes, we will get some of some of that. Yeah. And really enjoyed completing the M to Z of gin jargon, um, despite Matthew's ailments. I really enjoyed the Battle of the Old Toms. I've been educated on what an Old Tom really is yes. and actually how different two Old Tom gins can be. Yes, uh, it's uh, it's like, like non-identical twins. Yeah. So well done to Herno for winning the battle Bravo. today. Thanks, Matthew, for still being alive. I'm doing all right there. Yeah. I mean, if I die, avenge me death. But, yeah. Yep. The dawn chorus is about to start singing. It's that late at night. So, thanks for listening. Yes, do call again. <laughs> do call again. Yes. See you next week. Mother's Room Podcast was written and performed by Matthew Reed and Sarah Dunley. Theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz Kotsier.